0: able to incorporate and acknowledge the human elements, Mm -hmm. in my opinion, is what makes a mentorship program truly successful Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, yes, we're trying to build social capital internally and externally, but the highest social capital is that relationship between the mentor and the mentee.
1: Hey, everyone, and welcome to Seen At Work, the podcast. It's the podcast where we highlight diversity, equity, and inclusion professionals and the work they're doing to help their fellow employees feel seen at work. I'm Natalia Eileen. I lead Work as its founder and CEO, and together with my team, I get the privilege of supporting companies as they build more inclusive, more diverse, and more equitable workplaces. Today, I'm excited to bring to you a conversation I had with a fellow diversity, equity, and inclusion practitioner, Michelle Rojas. Michelle is the diversity, equity, and inclusion manager at Imperfect Foods. And during our conversation today, we talk about the power of mentorship and how she has worked with an employee resource group, uh, within her organization to build and develop mentorship programs that have seemed to touch every area across the company. It was a great conversation. I hope you think so too. Without further ado, let's jump right into it. Okay. We're so excited to be back on. And this time we have. Our friend and colleague in diversity, equity, and inclusion, Michelle Rojas. We're so excited to have you, Michelle. Um, Michelle is the diversity, equity, and inclusion manager at Imperfect Foods. And um, I'd love for you to start, Michelle, if you don't mind. It's so great to have you here.
0: Thank
1: you. (laughs) I'd love for you to start with a little bit about yourself so
0: that the audience can get to know you. Yeah, for sure. So again, my name is Michelle Rojas. I use she, her, her pronouns. Um, I am a social worker through and through. That's what I study, that's what I do, that's the framework that I use to uh, practice diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, My career started a very long time ago working in the child welfare industry where I had a lot of exposure to, uh, you know, the different intersections of social issues and how they were affecting uh, primarily uh, people of color. Uh, from there, I, I continued that case management work, but mostly working with at-risk youth and families, and providing them with mental health access as well as additional wraparound services. And like many social workers that do direct service, I was burnt out. Um, and you know, early on in my career, I always felt that social work uh, could really be embedded into business settings, social impact settings. So I decided to get my master's with a focus in social enterprise administration, really more macro social work. And I was fortunate to uh, work at a social enterprise in New York City called Hot Bread Kitchen. And Hot Bread Kitchen was doing two things. They, They had a workforce development program to support uh, both immigrant women and native New Yorkers with jobs in the culinary industry. And we also were supporting uh, food entrepreneurs, primarily uh, women and people of color, with just mm-hmm. access to capital and access to market um, support. I was on the workforce side and I was tasked with creating a case management program to really further support uh, the needs of our clients. Uh, it wasn't just enough to give them a paycheck, a lot of them had food insecurity, housing insecurity, you know. Uh, mental health struggles that I've never been really supported. Uh, And it was there that I, you know, really came to know diversity, equity, and inclusion, both by the diversity of the women walking through our door, uh, but also, you know, thinking about the different circumstances and situations that they were, that they were experiencing. So I kind of pitched to our leadership team that, Hey, like we have a lot of diversity, in our in our space day to day, but we ourselves don't yet have a DEI initiative internally to ensure that we're supporting this diversity to the best of our ability. Um, and I was fortunate to to become the director of DEI at that social enterprise and really further uh, the work and, and cement it. Um, you know, then twenty twenty happened, and the yeah. you know, great you know moment to kind of refocus my efforts really passionate about food and the diversity of food and how food can really educate and bring people together. Um, And Imperfect Foods, which is where I currently work as a uh, manager of diversity, equity, inclusion, allowed me to continue this work, but also focus on food in a way that would be uh, impactful to not only communities, but also our environment. We're working to eliminate food waste and make the food system better for everyone. So that's my long my long story to where I am today.
1: <laughs> no, it's a wonderful story. I think just long enough, you know, it's really <laughs> great to hear how your identity as a social worker
0: really informs the work that you do today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was one of those people that when I went to college, I knew what I wanted to do, and I never veered off track, and that's well wow. that's my mother's a social worker, and, and I've always been really fascinated by what she did every day. And she really raised me to have those social work values and to see people uh, for who they are and not judge and really care about what's happening in the world.
1: Yeah. No, I think that's so powerful because obviously DEI is such a people-centered work. It requires that perspective and that care. And it sounds like the work that you did at that social enterprise really built the the right foundation for you which is yeah, great absolutely well i know that we talked a little bit briefly off camera about thinking uh, through some of the really exciting initiatives that you've helped support and we landed on really spotlighting a mentorship program right through your some employee resource groups within your organization I'd love to maybe hear from the beginning where this came about and just give us some background on this particular initiative.
0: Yeah, definitely. So our employee resource groups, uh, when I came on, needed a little bit a little bit more structure and, and clarity around, A, what is an employee resource group and, and what's meant to be an outcome of this beautiful work? So, I was always really fascinated by Dr. Robert Rodriguez's 4C framework, Mm -hmm. which uh, gives that structure to employee resource groups. Uh, It allows employee resource groups to focus on four specific Cs career, culture, commerce, and community. Uh, On the career side, really, how are ERGs being leveraged to support their members? Um, So, that's kind of the origin of where this mentorship program came. Uh, But I also came to learn about DoorDash's Elevate program where they were uh, supporting women of color at DoorDash by providing them with a diverse set of resources. Often Mm -hmm. when we think about mentorship programs, it's like, oh, you meet with your mentee once a month and that's that. Uh, We know that mentorship programs really need to be robust in order to to best meet the needs of the individual. Mm -hmm. Uh, And DoorDash's program really, really uh, does that in my mind. So they offer one-on-one coaching with an external uh, executive coach for their mentees, as well as executive sponsor meetings uh, with company directors and C-suite members, Mm -hmm. career workshops, and attendance at leadership team meetings. So taking the fact that our ERGs are meant to focus on career and taking the kind of the the work and the foundational work that DoorDash has already done, Mm -hmm. uh, three of our employee resource groups decided to come together and develop a mentorship program for people of color. Imperfect Foods, uh, you know, a large majority of our workforce is frontline. We have six fulfillment centers across the country Mm -hmm. uh, and that is where a majority of our diversity sits. So we felt it imperative to target that population for this program. Uh, and some of the uh, components of our uh, mentorship program will be, uh, you know, that traditional mentor-mentee relationship. The <laughs> mentor is going to be collaborating and, and frequently giving updates to the mentee, supervisor, or manager. Uh, We will also provide social capital support. So generating those introductions and helping to build those relationships across team. So that if we have a warehouse associates who's really interested in in becoming part of our IT or engineering team, that mentor can say, hey, uh, let's set up a meeting for you to have a one-on-one with our director of engineering, to learn more about what open roles exist and kind of what are the, the requirements needed to be a member of that team. So Mm -hmm. internal social capital and then also thinking about external social capital. So the mentor is meant to leverage their own network to make those connections with the mentee and say, hey, I know someone that works at IT at Google or these other really amazing companies. Let's get you to get to know them. And then uh, the third component of all of this is uh, actually providing our mentees with a tangible takeaway, whether it's a credential, a certification, Um, That can kind of get them going on their path towards internal upward mobility, uh, but also thinking about and meeting our mentees where they're at. So if we have uh, a staff member who maybe hasn't yet completed their GED, that's totally fine. That doesn't, you know, uh, not allow them to participate in the program. We would just provide them with resources or guide them with how to complete it. And then also uh, steer them to, you know, a a Udemy or Coursera course that may also uh, provide them with more of the hard skills needed to make that career pivot. And that
1: also- is, oh, sorry to interrupt you. I was going to say those last two components are so cool. They're such differentiators for you as you're thinking about, you know, helping people think about what does it mean to really take full ownership of a mentorship relationship, right? As a mentor and then as a mentee, leveraging that social capital and then knowing that the company is also willing to put some, some time and money into supporting some of those goals through those kinds of programs. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, there's many, many different frameworks for mentorship programs out yeah. there. It's really just taking uh, some best practices and, and and customizing them to the needs of your own workforce and the own the, the specific goals of the company. And in our case, it's really, cementing the pathways for upward mobility for people of color that are, you know, in our front lines.
1: Yeah. And, um, I don't know if this was where you were going when I cut you off earlier, uh, but I think there's so much power in these mentorship relationships because of the way that they truly can create a deeper sense of belonging, not just for the mentee who's getting a lot of the support, but also for the mentor. Right. So you're really doing a lot potentially with this program to support that across your, your workforce.
0: For sure. And, and I'll add that we are, we're a remote first organization, uh, you know, besides our fulfillment centers and some of our line halls, we're predominantly working from home and that can lead to a lot of isolation. Uh, one of our ERGs the other day, uh, held a fabulous virtual Udon cooking class. Uh, And it was really well attended. And one of the feedbacks that we got from it was, hey, I've been working here for X number of months. This is the first meeting I've had that with members that aren't a part of my team. So there's a really big appetite to really combat any sense of loneliness, really helping to forge relationships across teams. And this mentorship program helps to do that in bridging the gap between our frontline People that go to a facility yeah. every single day and people that are home every single day. Yeah.
1: So you're creating, uh, you know, that deeper connection, not just because people are remote and needing that connection, but also it sounds like people can get a deeper
0: understanding of different parts of the company that way too. For sure. Yeah. That's definitely uh, an intended outcome of this work. It's not only ideally seeing. Our frontline staff fill our middle management or even leadership roles one day but it's also saying hey i can do my job better because i've had insights into how we pack our groceries how the groceries are delivered or the day-to-day challenges that our frontline staff may experience
1: yeah well can i get into the nitty-gritty of of how you're planning to do this um because i think what some people might be asking when thinking about starting their own mentorship program for their organization is how do we get mentors excited about this? Maybe maybe, maybe there's an anticipation that the mentees will be really excited about it because there's a clear just opportunity for them to learn and grow. But mm-hmm. do you have any concerns or questions about how you're going to be moving forward with getting those volunteers to sign up? Or do you feel like this is something that you're really looking for right now?
0: So, uh, we already have a lot of uh, support from our C suite. Uh, Our chief operating officer uh, is very excited about this opportunity and has already said, you know, committed to being a mentor himself and leveraging his own network. Uh, But we do want to start small. So, we're going to pilot this program with a set number of individuals to really learn from it and then perfect it uh, down the road. Um, our next immediate step is to speak with our C-suite, especially our COO again, and say, Hey, do you have, uh, you know, individuals who are high performing, but maybe need that additional support or resources to kind of get to the next level. And right. we would, we would support that, uh, small population initially so that we can scale this program in the following year or in the next two years. Uh, okay. A potential challenge, though, will be just the very nature of operations. Um, you know, we we're, we're in the process of standardizing our our operations across the country. Um, so really identifying those champions across our fulfillment centers will be really, really crucial. Uh, You know, the very nature of frontline work, warehouse associates are packing boxes every day, all day. Our delivery uh, drivers are out doing deliveries all day, every day. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whereas HQ, I have the the privilege of being able to sit in front of a computer, right? So really being able to um, identify those champions, get that initial buy-in, but also configure schedules that would allow for the mentor and mentee to meet. Uh, at an appropriate time or meet mm-hmm. whenever the mentee is available. Those are some to top mind <laughs> things we'll have a, to figure out.
1: I mean, and you know, those sound very unique to your organization structure. And I mean, obviously that's why when you're setting these programs up to your point earlier, they are usually very specific mm-hmm. to what the needs are of the workforce. Right. Um, I guess while you were speaking about all of these cool ways that mentors are supporting mentees, I was wondering, in addition to whether or not you felt like you'd have any trouble getting mentors, I was wondering how you're thinking about going about training, because there's quite a bit that you're asking them to do. So do you have any kind of suggestions or thoughts around that training the mentors to be
0: able to support their mentees effectively? Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm a firm believer in like a human first approach. Uh, so while we may have mentors who say, Hey, we, we have to meet at this time from this time to this time, I think flexibility will really, really be key here, especially because it's a pilot program and we're going to be working out, um, the, you know, certain elements of it. So, uh, not making, uh, perfect, the enemy of the good, as they say, Mm -hmm. Uh, and ensuring that our mentees uh, are sorry, our mentors are aware of not just the responsibilities that their mentee may have on a day to day, but even like holistic challenges, maybe they have to go pick your child from school right after their shift mm-hmm. or you know maybe they have a sick family member at home being able to incorporate and acknowledge the human elements mm-hmm. in my opinion is what makes a mentorship program truly successful mm-hmm. because at the end of the day yes we're trying to build social capital internally and externally but the highest social capital is that relationship between the mentor and the mentee Definitely. Um, and when we talk about being able to be your whole authentic self at work It's also, if you feel comfortable being able to share, Hey, I have this going on. Can we meet at this time today? Or, Hey, I, you know, I'm really struggling with X, Y, Z. How can we acknowledge that in my mentorship, uh, professional development plan?
1: Yeah. And it sounds like a great way for both sides to build a little bit of an empathy muscle around, you know, learning about people who may be different in different ways to them. um, even just by job function. Mm -hmm. which is also something that's very powerful in a mentorship program. So I'm excited about what it looks like
0: you're doing here. Yeah. Thank you so much. We're excited too. We will certainly report back once our pilot launches and, you know, we'll have plenty of takeaways and and learnings to push forward. I want to kind of dig into that though, because sometimes people don't
1: realize how important a pilot is, right? So I'm glad that you're talking about it that way because logistically, a pilot can be a really powerful tool in launching something like this. You don't just kind of want to jump right in and have everybody mm-hmm. right, be mm-hmm. able to do that. Do you mind speaking to that a little bit?
0: Yeah. So given some of the challenges that, I, that I've already shared around just like the, the composition of our workforce, um, the last thing we want is to, you know, parade that we're having a mentorship program, have a lot of excitement. a lot of people uh, apply and us not have the necessary resources to make their time worthwhile. Uh, It's really crucial to me and the team that we, as best as we can, figure out what works and what doesn't work and be okay with iterating, Um, especially because mentorship programs are so many variables in them. Uh, the simple nature of like, do you get along with your mentor, Yeah. Uh, right? Like can make or break the relationship and the outcomes. So we're willing to start small in order to scale so that when we go to provide, uh, our people of color at imperfect with this opportunity, it's well vetted. There's specific outcomes that we can speak to. There's expectations to be upheld and we know, um, you know, just generally what to expect and how best to support the mentees.
1: Yeah. And um, if you don't mind, just in terms of getting a little logistical while people are thinking, oh, I should try that. You know, (laughs) that sounds like such a cool initiative. How do I get started on that? We talked about the pilot. Mm -hmm. Um, How are you thinking about tracking progress?
0: Yeah, great, great question. So we have, uh, you know, a, a certain component of this mentorship program is also, how do we make sure that this is, you know, tracked somewhere uh, mm-hmm. beyond just the relationships and the mentor talking to the supervisor or the manager of the mentee we're committed to incorporating this work into performance review cycles mm-hmm. so the mentor would provide the mentee's uh, supervisor or manager with feedback that would then be incorporated into the performance review cycle so that ideally when that point in the year comes around their mentorship work is taken into account, how they've grown during the mentorship program is taken into account, Mm -hmm. the certification or the credential that they receive is taken into account. And ideally, maybe, you know, we're still kind of um, playing with the idea of providing the mentee with some type of, uh, you know, work project or, you know, Mm -hmm. professional, um, uh, you know, involvement in, in a project that maybe another team is working on so that that work can also be leveraged when it comes to performance reviews.
1: So cool. I think that's, that's a great way to make sure that people are held accountable, but that mm-hmm. also you can point back to proof of concept around this, as you're growing the program across the company. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited for you! So we're looking forward to this. You mentioned one particular challenge earlier. Are there any others that you're looking or anticipating potentially running into that you're navigating
0: around as you look forward? Uh, yes, yeah, so I mentioned you know really uh, ensuring that we have that uh, leadership buy-in, and we have we've identified our DEI champions. The very nature of the work uh schedules and trying to uh establish uh the, the frequency at which mentors and mentees are, are to be uh, meeting but also logistical right like maybe your mentor is in california and you, your mentee is a delivery driver in the bronx right navigating the time difference um another potential uh barrier could be Perhaps this is too ambitious, perhaps uh, requiring uh, the mentee to complete some type of credential or certification during the mentorship relationship may be too much. Mm -hmm. Maybe we need to phase it out and it's like, hey, during this phase of the mentorship program, you're working more on your your management skills, your soft skills, Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to phase two is when we work on the credentials. Those Mm -hmm. are things that I'm particularly excited to to learn as we launch the pilot. Really, what are the elements? And it's often things you didn't even think would be a barrier that becoming a barrier. Yeah. So so yeah, we
1: shall see. (laughs) Amazing. What I love about this work generally, just DEI requires such a marrying of people-centered work, really thinking about how are we making this place one where everyone feels invested in and valued and supported and like they're really, you know... All of those things. And then also there's so much fun change management work that's also involved, right? That's like progress to to our goals and yeah. looking at how we can grow these programs so that they're truly effective and impactful. I I feel just like nerdily excited.
0: <laughs> yeah. we, we wear a lot of hats, right? We're we're data nerds, but we're also human nerds. Yeah. We have the emotional IQ as well as the you know regular IQ. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's really about, you know, we have to have the communication skills to ensure that everyone's aware of, of, you know, what this program entails, but also have the empathy to like be okay when things take a turn. It's wonderful. I love it. No day, no two days are the same. <laughs> um, and at the end of the day, we're, we do this work to make the lives yes. of our stakeholders better. Yes. And yeah. any job where you're doing that, it, it's just so beautifully rewarding.
1: It really is. Well, I think others who are watching this or listening to this are likely doing similar work and hopefully got a ton of ideas from your mentorship program experience. Or, you know, I, I it would be lovely to check in maybe in the future to see how this goes. Um, but I think before we log off, I'd love to hear if you have any advice generally for practitioners in this space. Anything that you've learned in the last however many years that you've really been digging into this people
0: work, I think they'd be happy to hear it. Yeah, for sure. I would say you know don't be afraid to get creative. Don't let uh, you know perfect be the enemy of the good, and don't lose sight of the people. Practice from a human centered design thinking framework, and you know you'll you'll never do wrong. I think. Uh, I try very, very hard to never walk in the, into a room and assume that I know what's wrong. I take the time to really listen and list actively listen to the needs of people because at the end of the day, those closest to the problem are those closest to the solution. So when we go to launch this mentorship program, one of the key pieces of information that I'm really keen on getting my hands on is the actual experience of the mentee. How did it feel for them to be a part of this program? Mm-hmm. Did they get out of it what they wanted to get out of it? Even if they did get a promotion, was that the the end goal? How do they feel? Yeah. Um, because, like you mentioned, if they do this program but they, you know, were super stressed out doing it, didn't really enjoy themselves, then then something's off. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So it would be you know a compilation of those things um, and giving yourself grace. <laughs> super
1: super important. oh my goodness can you tell us how or what that looks like for
0: you yeah um you know I try to as best as I can uh, be clear and provide as much you know frameworks and, and modalities uh, but every now and then those things will go out the window and you just got to be okay with it and go with the flow because if you feel like you're off track today most likely in a week or two you'll be back on track so giving yourself the grace to let things flow, uh, you know, because we as DEI practitioners can only see things through our own perspective. And our own perspective, as much as we want it to be right, half the time isn't. So being okay with, you know, letting go. Mm-hmm.
1: I think that's a great note to end. Um, lots of reflective, pensive thoughts going on here from <laughs> Michelle, our guest, who, you uh, Thank you so much. Whom we're so happy to have had on the podcast episode today. Uh, I know people will be turning around and taking this into their into their mentorship programs moving forward.
0: So thank you, thank you for being here. Thank you. thank you so much for for this opportunity. And for those listening, if you have any mentorship advice, I am all ears. Feel free to reach out. Thank you, Natalie.
1: Thank you. <laughs>